Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 1, Mad Investor Chaos and the Woman of Asmodeus. Episode 66. The palace refectory nearest the outer palace temple is quite a lot nicer than the canteen in Project Lawful's old villa site, with a variety of high-quality food smells on par with the nicest restaurant in Corentin that her father deigned to take her to once per year, to show her what wealth could buy for her in the way of pride if she ever lived up to her promise. The continual lights that illuminate it are warm enough to see the food, but aside from that, the decor is definitely a great deal more doom-punk than the Corentin restaurant aspired to be. It's mostly priests here up to Third Circle, a scattering of nobles, nobody who obviously looks like a security. They don't exactly all hush as she enters like Abigail Thrun walked into the room. Because what actually has to happen is a rapid propagation of people whispering, Carissa Sever to people who don't know that, who then stop whatever they're saying and glance in her direction before hurriedly turning back to resume their conversation in quieter tones. So there isn't a sudden silence, just a conversation that enters a slowly troughing lull as more and more people glance at her, falling silent and then start speaking again, but quieter. Afterwards, there are a lot more faces at tables that happen to be turned in Carissa Sivar's direction coincidentally, and others that are very determinedly looking down at their food and definitely not looking straight at her. It sure is one heck of a shirt. That's not the shirt. Which means probably the earlier stuff wasn't the shirt either. Something's up, and she needs to understand it. She burns a fox's cunning. She's aware that she's using practically all her spell slots for intelligence enhancement these days, and that she's doing it despite having a headband that makes fox's cunning not even as good. She feels fine with this. It feels correct about a Carissa Savar capable of pulling this off that she spends practically all her time tugging her brain into smarter configurations. Maybe some of the habits will stick. An incidental solution to a different problem occurs to her. She should have a collar commissioned for herself as a present to Keltham that stops her from refusing him. Since, after all, he told her not to. If she presents it to him with enough genuine delight and pride, she doesn't think he'll have the nerve to say that. Actually, he wants her to be capable of refusing him and actively choosing not to do it. He seems to know he shouldn't say that to her. There's some details to work out, but it's a promising general approach. These people know who she is and think she's important and dangerous. That's, well, first of all, that's not ideal, since the project is supposed to be a secret. Probably the fact that she's on a very secret project has spread, somehow. Maybe also the fact that the Queen wants her. Asmodia said she had a message to Carissa from a devil who was now dead. The devil she tried to sell her soul to knew her name. He had instructions about Carissa Savar. It wouldn't have been left up to chance whether a summoned devil knew her name, not for something that important. So all the contract devils in Cheliacs knew to do something different than their usual, if presented with Carissa Sever. Maybe that's how people here know about her. They're in regular communication with Hell, and in Hell, people know who she is. Almost no one ever comes to Asmodeus's direct attention, the devil told her. Why didn't she take that more seriously? 
She only half believed it, but even so. Idea. Stop half-believing things. You're either right or wrong, and either one has implications. Keltham doesn't half-believe a thing. Further idea. Eat. That's what you came here for. She shouldn't really have needed a fox's cunning for that last idea. She approaches the food line like she didn't overthink this at all. As Carissa approaches the food line, the handful of priests and nobles awaiting their turns calmly and dignifiedly step out of her way to let her through. The sole exception is one man about her age, who's wearing clothing that identifies him as a cadet of House Thrun, as well as being a third-circle priest of Asmodeus handsome the way you'd expect a royal scion to be perfected. The man doesn't step aside like the others, but smiles amusedly and walks up with Carissa Savar to the suddenly cleared small buffet table. Shall we find an empty spot and sit together, he says. I doubt you'll have much conversation of these terrified wretches otherwise. Alexite Gellius Rudolus Thrun. Carissa is continuing to be surprised, which is bad. It's the mistake Keltham observed himself to be making when Galerion kept undershooting his expectations. Shouldn't be surprised in the same direction repeatedly. What would it be to be surprised in the opposite direction? An empty spot? She asks, taking food. Are you sure I couldn't just glare people out of a table they're seated at? So it was a recent empowerment then, he says, though this much more quietly and with a slight smile. You can always tell that first flush of pride. I won't accompany you if you do. It would be fun, but not wise. Alexite Gellius Rudolus Thrun takes his own foods that would be rather expensive in Corentin, with the boredom of someone who finds them proletarian but acceptable. Ha, huh. succeeded at overshooting, unless he's lying, she wouldn't be able to tell. He's doing a very convincing, I'm your ally who'll help you make sense of this world you'll find yourself in. But that is exactly zero information and she's not about to forget it. The one thing he's definitely not lying about is the throne, that you're not allowed to lie about. She takes her own food, smiles at him encouragingly, heads to an empty table. Alexite Gellius Rutilus Thrune sits next to her. He sets down his food, then reaches into his priestly robes and fiddles with something. Sounds from the room around them vanish. Silent table, ten minutes, he says. I've got another charge left, but would prefer not to burn it, end quote. So, is everything they say about Project Lawful true? Or, for that matter, anything? It's said in the tones of somebody who expects that nobody ever opens a conversation with Carissa Savar in any other way. Having thus asked his obligatory question, he begins to eat efficiently. This is not a man planning to linger long over his food, but one who does have other duties. What the fuck do they say about Project Lawful? It seems bad that they say anything about Project Lawful. Surely the palace has its reasons for whatever security measures are standard here. Maybe it's good for important nobles to know some of what's going on in case they think of something relevant, and there are precautions to ensure that it doesn't leak beyond them. To answer the first question, I'd have to know everything they say about Project Lawful, which sounds like a tall order, she says, taking a bite of her own food. The answer to the second question is, of course, yes. Someone has said something true about Project Lawful at some point.
He finishes chewing and swallowing before replying, putting him several steps up on table manners among world-wound adventurers. A storm giant of a tall order, yes. I suspect that a true fact got out somewhere in there, and nobody had any better ideas than to bury it under a flood of untrue ones, spread as fast as possible by securities all attesting to what they saw with their own eyes. My best attempt to filter through the lot and reconstruct something that could have plausibly happened, an ordinary weapons enchanter stationed at the World Wound received a vision from Asmodeus directing them to find some manner of mini starstone, which empowers people in several ways. One of those includes bypassing forbiddances in order to move about cake slices, books, and, in a much more important case, diamonds. You need to give the cake to somebody who'll eat it, or give the book to somebody who'll read it. The ability can't be used that freely. The mini star stone bestows powerful auras that may not match true alignments, but are sufficient to change afterlife destinations. It may grant minor cleric spells and magical detection. I do not presently buy the claim that seeing the future is included among bestowed powers since if that were possible at all, the gods would still have it. The initial group of subjects exposed to it were graduating students at Ostenso's Wizard Academy. The mini-star stone either fails to empower men who touch it or turns them into women. It makes people more physically ideal and perfected over time, which is why you, as the first person to touch it, are now the prettiest of this very noticeably pretty group, and according to at least one rumor, have become visibly prettier over the last few days. I admit, I'd given less credence to the turns-into-women theory, and probably wouldn't have mentioned it at all if you weren't wearing an obviously magical-looking man's shirt that no longer fits you. Not that I'd hold that against you, if you're not exclusive with Abrogale. He smiles in a way that makes it very clear that this is supposed to be a complete joke, or at least deniable as such. Oh, and your project manager is a complete fuck-up, but I don't think anyone has actually deduced what the details were. What a fascinating theory says Carissa. He's presumably not expecting her to answer him, but thinks he can learn interesting things from her facial expressions. He probably can, but precisely for this reason, she stopped tracking the specifics of the things he was saying about five seconds in. She'll mentally review them later. It raises the question of why Asmodeus would have charged me, in particular with this, out of all the loyal Chelish soldiers at the World Wound. Slight smile. With prophecy broken, the gods see and plan less completely than the common mud would attribute to them. They are greater than us, yes, but that greatness is manifest in how they plan around the severe limitations to which they are now subject. My first guess would be that you went out on a walk and happened to come close enough to the treasure to suit Asmodeus's purposes there. Not all of his plans need to be subtle and hidden, Sometimes I expect they are straightforward plans that just work. Or perhaps I'm entirely wrong and you are the princess of hell that rumors proclaim, with every devil in hell knowing your name and taking it too much in vain being punishable by final execution. If that's the case, I beg of you not to hurt me too much in my lesson, for I am Asmodeus's loyal possession and strive only to be useful to him. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there, but go for a walk she says delightedly. You know, I'd confirm that, except at some point it'd be repeated to someone who has ever been to the world wound. Hmm. Rumor proclaims you a fair wizard, 
and rumor also says that wizards have ways of keeping warm, but perhaps one or the other is untrue. I was also speaking metaphorically, in such fashion as to include any number of other reasons to be one of a small handful of people going somewhere, but without intent to inquire any further. Endure. Elements doesn't always cut it in wintertime that far north, but that's not the problem with your theory. She smiles in a friendly sort of way and takes another bite of food, swallows. Nor is the danger of traveling alone, though it's considerable. Perhaps if you track down a random soldier and present your theory, they'll spot it, though of course you'd have to kill them afterwards. I have to say, in the circles I've traveled in, a name being maybe punishable with final execution is a reason not to say it, but one assumes that the people here who can't stop speaking it have some justification beyond that they're very bored all the time. Alexites Gellius Rutilus Thrun doesn't look particularly frightened. He does wear a considering expression as he consumes more of his food. I think my own assessment would be that there are those wise enough not to believe your name alone that dangerous, and those less wise who say they believe it but don't then refrain from speaking your name. But if I am the foolish one myself, you will demonstrate that or not, as it pleases you, no doubt. It would please her to send him to the world wound for a tour of duty, but this is a stupid desire that does not really advance Asmodeus's aims, and she's not entirely sure where it came from. Well, if she happens to be coherent enough for speech at some point when she next meets Abigail, she can ask. She eats in silence. She needs to get stronger as quickly as possible. Everything is only useful to her insofar as it lets her have that. This has to be tradable for that, somehow. Fox's cunning wears off. I think you're foolish, but not because my name alone is dangerous, she says. I think you're foolish because you don't need to know this, and want to, and because fools saying something is dangerous made you decide it's safe, and because, secure in the conviction that my name alone is not dangerous, you forgot you don't know in combination with what my name would be dangerous. That seems like the sort of note to end on, so she stands up, nods to him, smiles. He remains seated, of course, for his food isn't finished. You do seem new to this. If I helped you at all, in this, it's customary to toss me a little bone of favor or knowledge. I am content to collect it later if you don't believe me about that now. Or if I've been of no use to you, of course, then you have Alexite Gellius Rutilus Thruni's apologies for wasting your time. The emphasis on Thrun is barely, barely noticeable. It is noticed. That advice was a favor. Or maybe it was bad advice. She doesn't actually know how court works. Telling him anything true would be really stupid. The project is secret for reasons. And she doesn't have favors that aren't knowledge. And it wouldn't make any sense for arbitrary thrones to be able to get classified information by sitting with you at dinner. Maybe it's a test. Except how many people are authorized to test her, even, at this point. Maybe it's the queen? No. I don't know if you helped me, she says honestly. We'll see. Repaying favors is much easier than identifying them for ignorant girls from the world wound who are new at all of this. 
He smiles at that. I shall consider myself repaid, Savar, and would be pleased to deal with you again on future occasions, if you have gained skill and wish to test it, or if you have not gained skill and are willing to bargain for guidance. Go with Asmodeus's blessing, if you do not already have it. He does return his attention to his food, then. Right. Okay, that was very fine and normal. Actually, there's an obvious thing to do here, which is to report a potential security breach to Mayol. It's so nice to have an obvious thing to do. She'll head off to do it. The pile of unread papers on Mayol's desk is larger than when Carissa left. Your copy of the contract came in, Mayol says, gesturing to where it's been carefully set aside. I just went to dinner and was greeted by a Lexite Gellius Rudalis Thrun who tells me that from the rumors swirling around our project, which include that I'm sleeping with the queen and that I am a princess of hell and devils are executed for speaking my name in vain, he has inferred that I discovered a mini star stone at the world wound on Asmodeus's direction and that we've been testing it out on wizarding students in Ostenso who it might or might not turn into pretty girls with random alignments. I'd be delighted to learn that all of this is acceptable for random thrones to know, or that that was her imperial magistrix again, though I think she's bored of me. She takes her copy of the contract. Yeah, it's not good, but it's not as terrible as you might think. I've lived through a couple of rampages of the rumor dragons. I admit this is worse than I've ever seen it. But it blows over, and if it started in Asmodeus's inner circle, it stays confined to his inner circle. I wouldn't so much say that Asmodeus is overjoyed about random thrones knowing, as that part of tyranny is that random thrones get to delight in the privilege of knowing what their lessers don't. People like that. You can't tell them to just shut up about everything that's none of their business without taking away part of their pride as tyrants above the people who just have to shut up. To be clear on this, I only ever played that game when I had to in order to not look stupid. And if there was ever a true word in any of it, I never repeated that part on purpose. But pride isn't mostly the direction in which I walk towards hell. Contessa Lorelatha's contract is headed up by a prominent seal saying that only Carissa Seva is allowed to read it on pain of Lurilatha keeping any violator as a toy for their rest of their mortal lives. This probably didn't help the rumours any. The interior contains another note saying that Lurilatha hopes it went entirely without saying that if Seva ever talks about Keltham's no-tricks condition as something you should even dream of demanding from a devil, or publishing one word of this contract as having been authored by Lurilatha, then Lurilatha and Abrogale can have a contest to see who ends up as the one Carissa least likes to visit. Lurilatha hopes that Sevar will duly advise the same to any other women who end up reading and signing this contract. Ah, so it's not a trick. And Lurilatha is annoyed that it isn't a trick. Well, Carissa would be honored to preserve her pride. That's not the expression of somebody reading a completely innocuous contract. Hopefully the rumor mill will convey away that when Carissa Sevar read Contessa Lorelatha's contract, she looked like it was the worst news she'd ever gotten. Worse even than the earlier news that her nap annoyed every single powerful person in Sheliak's all at once. Mayol is too reasonable to pass it along himself, of course, but there's security standing around in the distance. 
Hopefully, Contessa Lorelatha will appreciate this and continue handing Carissa nice contracts that are, in fact, totally innocuous. She pulls herself together quickly. Next question. Is there anything I'm authorized to know about Asmodia? She was vague with me. Crown order to determine whether Asmodia came back with new special abilities. Came back negative? My guess is either somebody being stupid or somebody being careful about all the rumors. Asmodia reported having noticed her contract devil dying, which she would, but not knowing why that happened or who owns her now. Detect Thoughts says she's being honest. I am devoutly hoping that Hell's business is none of our business in this case. Sounded like a standard stay in Hell otherwise. She was put to work copying spell diagrams, which is normal for a soul they don't want to break before sending it back. I wanted them to fix her. Does that take too long? In a word, yes, or they'd just do that to everyone. Maeol has a lot more he could say about this, but he is not sure if he should. He is maybe legitimately at the point where he could properly, not proactively, declare himself insufficient to guide Sivar's spiritual growth and kick her up to a sixth-circle priest of Asmodeus, maybe one stationed full-time at Project Lawful's new worksite. We don't know how, do we? Or... Some people make it through and turn out well as devils, but we don't know how, in the average case, and Cheliax knows even less than hell. I assumed I'd be stronger after my punishment because I know that not all punishment always makes people stronger, but obviously in this context, you'd do that if you possibly could do it at all. But it didn't surprise anyone else that I was... that you are. His hand comes down on the desk with a sharp bang. I'm going to stop you right there before you say something insubordinate. You've been tortured. You're going to be much more severely tortured. And I don't think you need any more torture in between, hmm? Sevar, you've got some kind of more lawful, lawful evil vision that I'm not saying is wrong, but whatever it is, it's as far beyond what we can do right now as Dathilani law is beyond what we use. If people didn't end up in the long run being more pleasing to Asmodeus from being threatened with punishment and actually punished, he'd tell us to stop doing it. What happens in the short run is another matter. You're apparently doing fine a few hours later, well, good for fucking you. Expecting to be fine one minute afterwards is fucking stupid even so, unless you're Pilar Pineda and can rise up from being tortured with a song of gratitude on your lips. Maybe someday we'll do Dathilan's thing and shape everybody's heritage into being her. But meanwhile, you're not. Don't plan on doing anything else useful the day the queen gets around to you, and maybe not the day afterwards either. And you don't comment on how well you think I'm doing. You see me making an actual mistake. You point it out. That's it. Of course it's good for us in the long run. But we'll be lucky if we manage to spin this out for a month, and by the end of that month, the world is going to look so different that I only have half an idea what shape Asmodeus will need us in. Hell can be concerned with our long run. Project governance needs to be able to operate at the very brink of what we're capable of at our absolute best. And she can see it. Then what she should do. Except... I propose a new project directive. 
No one except me, Pilar, and one of the girls at the villa, chosen randomly, gets punished beyond whatever they do in fucking Taldor, without my express authorization, which I'll grant when it looks liable to make them better at the project, and not otherwise. Have you got some way to read my mind? Sounds a lot more than just slightly dangerous and heretical, but I'll hear you out as to why we do that. Every day there's fewer and fewer security cleared to read your mind directly, for some strange reason. But I've got a zone of truth if you want me to believe you about something. I want to make sure this gets put down exactly accurately. We matter far, far more right now than we will in hell. If Asmodeus could, in destroying all our future potential for him, make us better servants of him right here and right now, I think he obviously would, in hell, there are millions of souls like us, but here and now, we are the only people who can do the most important thing that there is to be done. I am not interested in our long-term spiritual improvement. I have not adopted some kind of heretical belief that punishment is bad for us in the long run. It is good for us in the long run, which isn't our priority at all. I have not adopted some kind of heretical belief that it is bad for people to suffer unless they grow from it. If this directive works better, paired with some directive to round up a bunch of orphans and torture them, I'll do that, or delegate it if that's allowed because I am kind of busy. I have a theory, which is that punishment is in the short term particularly bad for the kind of acuity needed to succeed at this project, and I need this project to succeed so I want everyone to stop torturing my project members without reason to think it will make the project likelier to succeed. Exception for myself, because I don't think any justification short of Asmodeus personally saying so would protect me now, and I don't want there to be any question of whether I conveniently developed this conviction when facing down something I know I can't handle. Exception for Pilar, because as noted, she likes it. Exception for one random girl at the villa, because everything is an eye. And if the girl who still gets punished normally is performing well, then we'll go back on this. It's how evil Doth Elon would do it. I don't care about any of you, but I need to be able to use you if I'm going to win. You need to be better than Sheliax knows how to make people. And it needs to happen fast. So we try this. She is getting very close to insubordination here. Well... No, she's past it, and now he'll have to figure out what to do about that. My frank assessment of this idea is that it may pass as lawful evil. You're the expert on whether it's Dathilani, but Zon Kuthon is also lawful evil, and this proposal is not very Asmodean at all. It's like one of those dreams where you can fly, but the spell runs out the instant you look down. You're misunderstanding me, she says coldly. It's not very Asmodean, not to torture Keltham, but it's what Asmodeus told us to do. It's not very Asmodean to promise to let him go, but it's what Asmodeus told us to do, too. Asmodeus wants us to win. This is your new project directive. He knew, somewhere in the back of his mind over the last day, that this was probably coming. He probably should have thought it out earlier. If he wanted to win this, he is far worse off trying to win this fight starting now than if he'd set up his pieces for this conflict starting after the first moment he'd tried giving Sevar a taste of power. Can he take her if he contests her control of the project right now? 
it's not at all clear that he can. Yesterday, he could have, at the villa where he was running everything and had all the reports. Today, he's in the palace, where he's that pathetic guy who got tortured by Gorthoklek, and Savar has now met the queen and her advisors. Paper lines of power count for a lot in a tyranny, but not for everything. Not among the inner ring. It's not entirely clear that the security would obey him if Ferrer Maillol ordered Sevar cut down on the spot. This security isn't one of the older security from the villa. This security knows Carissa Sevar only as a power at least on Ferrer Maillol's level, who always has been such. Does he want to take down Sever? Does he want to fight back at all? Would he rather just let her have it? Maybe that question should have come first, but if he can't take her, it's a moot one. He misses the world wound. He misses the world wound because he knew how his mission worked and what needed to be done to accomplish it. And what was needed was keeping a pack of nearly adventurers in line with fire and lash so that they didn't run out on him and the demons didn't overrun them all. And he, whose concern among Asmodeus's domains was tyranny, was good at that job. He never asked to be reassigned from the world-wound to the imperial palace in Igorian, where the real games of power were played. Pride never was the part of this he was best at. Now all he is is a fifth-circle priest with two relevant visions from Asmodeus and a job he doesn't understand. And because of those visions, he's not getting away back to the world-wound. He's stuck with Project Lawful no matter what. He doesn't have to be stuck at the top of it, though. Does he want to be the one responsible for Project Lawful when whatever happens, happens on day hash four? I neither have the power to put you in direct command of Project Lawful, nor would I want the responsibility of making that decision if I had, Mayol says coldly, and with as much dignity as he can manage. Get an order from my superiors saying you're in charge of and responsible for the overall direction of Project Lawful, and I'll work under you to manage logistics and personnel, as professionally as you worked for me. Unless and until that order arrives, I'm still the one who gets held responsible for your project directives and I will not be responsible for this one. If you need an order saying you have urgent business to discuss with Aspexia Rugaton tonight, Write it for me, and I'll sign it. I'll even throw in a free note saying that I do not have a very solid vision for this project myself, and cannot judge the solidity of yours. If you can't get anyone to put you in charge, you're not in charge, and I will not expect this manner of insubordination in the future. Deal? Understood, she says. She sits down, writes to the Grand High Priestess Aspexia Rugaton that she has a time-sensitive inquiry regarding the project, passes it along to Mylol silently. Don't look down, don't look down, don't look down. He signs it and hands it back, along with his note saying that he doesn't have a solid vision for Project Lawful and cannot assess Savar's latest vision. He doesn't include any remarks about how he is unlikely to be able to judge any future visions either. That is perilously close to asking to be relieved of your command, and pleading like that is not at all a good look in an Asmodian tyranny. He can't quite bring himself to wish her good luck. Carissa Sivar, who is not definitely not a princess of hell, walks through the hallways to deliver her note to Aspexia Rugaton's secretary. 
What's the worst case scenario? Being tortured a lot. Which is good for you, not good for the project, which is the entire reason she's trying to cut down on it. But good for her personally. You are customer hash 14 in line. The current wait time is 43 minutes. Long enough, she'll have to return the shirt first. She heads back to Keltham's. Keltham sleeps the peaceful sleep of somebody who, to the extent he has offended his conscience during the day, has managed to get far out enough ahead of it that it hasn't caught up to him yet. Perfect. She folds the shirt up next to him on his bedside table, pressed to digitates it clean, and tells security to notify her if he wakes. Asmodia is sitting in her peaceful, lovely bedroom in the Imperial Palace at Agorian. It is not the gardens of Ericura, and the main thing that makes it different is not that the gardens are nicer looking or the air is fresher. It is that the gardens are, so far as she can tell, safe. Whereas the Imperial Palace at Igorian is not safe. It can have the quality of not hurting you right now. It cannot have the quality of being guaranteed to still not be hurting you a few minutes later. But she knows where to find safety, for a time, if she needs it. Maybe somebody would be nice to her again, 100 years later. Maybe not. But what comes after 100 years hardly feels like it would still be real. Still be this Asmodia who makes the choice. She keeps on reviewing what she knows. Maybe if she knew all that Keltham knew, as well as her own knowledge, she'd be able to figure it out. But she can't. The shadows got her. She was revived in the Imperial Palace. She's next to Pilar, so the project is probably still active. The gardens were peaceful except for two events. First, the disorienting sensation that, she was informed, not by Erikura this time, had been the sensation of her contract devil being destroyed and her soul being passed to whoever inherited it from him. She'd figured at the time that he'd either ask too many questions about the Keltham project or it was the Carissa Sever thing. Later, she'd been called closer to the center of Erikura's gardens, closer to Erikura herself in the fullest place of her power within her home plane, and the seal on her thoughts had been placed in full. Asmodia can't remember it well. She probably didn't originally experience it well, never mind memory. When she'd woken, it apparently being possible to fall unconscious in hell under sufficiently extreme circumstances, she'd known the rules. How to put thoughts about the existence of the seal, but not the contents of the seal, temporarily outside of the seal and readable. That if she needed to report defiance of the seal, she should go to the most senior outsider under Asmodeus, but not any archdevil or other being reporting directly to him, and that she was forbidden, by Asmodeus's own law, to pray to Asmodeus or turn her thoughts too much in his direction, while the seal lasted. No, she is not allowed to ask Aspexia Rugatone what happened. Not that she would, but it doesn't matter. It's not allowed. And she's been assigned her own room at the palace, with a bed large enough to sleep for. There was a crown order on checking her for new or exotic special abilities, which has now been returned with a false answer that she has none. There were way too many invisible people watching her when she came back. Sever was acting weird, asking weird questions that were almost like she knew the secret but didn't quite, and in other ways acting like she doesn't know what's going on around her any more than Asmodia does. Around the only thing in the universe that still remains stable and true is that Abarco is a giant fucking asshole. 
The main thing Asmodia is currently worried about is whether Abarco is right and her devil was destroyed to keep the secret. She found out that the devil was destroyed before she found out there was a secret. So all the explanations she thought up had nothing to do with what happened to her being secret. But in retrospect, maybe there was always going to be a secret, and she just found out about it later. She shouldn't have mentioned the devil being destroyed. Too late now. Not that she'll ever tell Abarco he was right about anything. And he won't see it in her thoughts, either. Asmodia knows what she has to do next, to figure things out. It's all too obvious. She just wanted to keep to her peace for as long as she could before. Pilar is now returning from having found herself on yet another cake delivery mission, with no particular memory of how she got there. The thought is occurring to Pilar that maybe dying and reviving has reset some kind of accumulated satiation of her curse down to zero, and she needs to throw a really big surprise party for somebody in order to placate her curse enough that she is not constantly delivering cake. She gets to her room just as she spots Asmodea turn away from knocking on her door. Hi, Asmodea, Pilar says. Why is Pilar suddenly behind her, instead of in her room where she should be? Asmodea does not know. Pilar didn't do this in Ostenso. Hey, says Asmodea. Can we talk? Pilar has never been quite as wary as some of the people around her. It's not that she's stupid or even fearless, as many people seem to think. It's that Cheliax is where she belongs, at least during her mortal life. Sure, Pilar says, not brightly and cheerfully, however. Pilar's room looks a lot like Asmodia's, with just enough distinction and decoration that you couldn't accuse them of being overly duplicated. So, Pilar, Asmodia says. She did take the chance to play out this conversation in her head before she got here. If you're in the palace, same as me, does that mean you also died in the attack and got raised or resurrected? Yeah, took a sword for Keltham. Not bad, Asmodia says neutrally. More heroic than her own death. Lovely. I know you've always said you were looking forwards to hell. Anything interesting happen there? Pilar hesitates. She knows Asmodia did not want to sell her soul. A favor offering security warned her that Asmodia seemed like the sort who might be upset and spiteful that Pilar hadn't been forced to sell her soul, when Asmodia had been. She should probably mock Asmodia for that, but Pilar doesn't feel like it. Maybe she'll assign herself a punishment for that later. My first journey to the afterlife wasn't all I'd hoped, no, Pilar says truthfully. Asmodia probably really, really does not need to hear either that Pilar went to Elysium or that Pilar came back from it. If it was anybody but Pilar, that might have been a sufficient answer to what Asmodia really wanted to know there. It's not quite absolutely obvious, but it is one abyss of an obvious guess that Asmodia would not be in the gardens of Eracura if not for something somehow somewhere that is related to the project around Keltham. Did it happen to Pilar, too? Because it hurt too much, or not enough? Asmodia returns. Okay, if you're going to be that way about it, fine. I went to Elysium because of my oracle's curse and told them to fuck off, and came back when I was raised and Aspexia Rugaton personally told me good job, and I was allowed to feel proud about it. I wasn't going to shove it in your face. But if you are going to insist about it, then fine. 
Asmodia would definitely have been a lot more angry about that before the gardens of Aracura. Should she fake it? She's not sure she can, somehow. It's okay, Asmodia says. I'd have sent you to hell in my place if I could. Well, not to my contract devil. He wouldn't have been best for you, but maybe a nice Arrhenius or some such. Well, thanks. Pilar hesitates. I wouldn't have done it, but I wish I could have sent you to Elysium in my place. I'd have stayed. I know. That's heresy. I already had the heretical thought, already need to assign myself punishment for it, and it's not going to get any more heretical if I say it out loud to you instead of keeping it to myself. Do you have any idea what's going on? Elysium told me that I wasn't going to be used against Lord Asmodeus, but for him. Aspexia Rugaton thought that was credible but also very ominous, like... Maybe they're planning to destroy Cheliax, and afterward I'll have to prevent a new world wound from opening in the crater. Which is, in fact, in Asmodeus's interests, if I'm there to do that, but it's part of a larger plan that's not at all in his interests. But no, I don't have any idea what's going on. Do you know why there were 14 invisible people watching me during my resurrect? I'd say that somebody opened a scroll and explosive rumors went off in their face— but I think it was actually more of a symbol of rumor, or possibly that somebody wished for there to be lots of rumors about Project Lawful, and they didn't use a safe phrasing of that either. Honestly, I probably didn't help with that a lot, but I don't even know what Carissa Savar has been doing, except that it's somehow scaring people even more than suddenly cake. My contract devil was all like, It would be contrary to the nature of hell if you couldn't tell me everything you know. And if that requires a promotion, so be it. And if I get promoted above my place and destroyed, so be it. So I told him about Keltham and what Keltham knows, and you being Caden, Kalian's oracle, and Nethys giving Ioni book powers, and Carissa Savar fucking the queen. She what? No, strike that. That makes perfect sense. Continue. Anyways, my contract devil's reaction to all of that was, Carissa Sever, tell me more. Peach says Pilar. It's true. I believe you. I was just saying pfft. Anything else interesting happen while I was gone? Not really, unless you count a day or so of moderately stormy weather, from the war between the gods that got kicked off by Nadal's attack on our villa. But it didn't destroy all the crops like the last god war a century ago, and now Zon Kuthon has been sealed away in a vault, to which only Iomedi has the key. Yeah, that's not much. Does that mean we're at war with Nadal and their clerics are still getting spells, though? All of their diamonds ended up in Cheliax somehow, which I am sadly, utterly certain had something to do with Project Lawful in some way or another. Not much of a war, then. Nope. But nonetheless, tomorrow at dawn, we're heading out to an old fortress that's being renovated for us, after another divine intervention by Asmodeus— because Project Lawful hadn't gotten even a single divine intervention that day, and it was almost going to be a full 24 sequential hours there. Being there is somehow going to protect us from the other gods interfering, so more people can be around and not get turned into oracles of the stupid good god of utter derangement and cake, like some previous unfortunate victims of Project Lawful. Hope it's as nice as the last place, but I know it probably won't be. Just to be clear, you were lying about everything up until the fortress part, right? Nope. I'd say that I'm going to go back to my room and sleep, and when I wake up, the world had better make sense again, 
except I truly don't wish for that. Why not? She probably shouldn't have said that. But, in a sensible world, nobody cares about you. Asmodia settles on. Pilar snorts. Don't get exaggerated ideas just because I had one stupid thought and stupidly said it out loud. If you didn't really care, you wouldn't be holding a cookie right now with pink icing and letters spelling out Asmodia. Pilar looks down at her hand in absolute horror. It's actually an ordinary cookie with pink icing, but no letters. You bitch. I'm going to see if my curse does poisoned cupcakes if I focus enough on how much I hate somebody. Well, there you have it. Now the world makes sense again. Night, Pilar. Asmodia departs, taking the cookie with her over Pilar's brief and muted protest. People are talking too much about the project, and my opinion is they should all stop, including you. Or failing that, be executed and then turned into paving stones in hell. You were on Project Lawful, right? From the start. If I can't tell you, you'll what, talk at somebody else? You know what? Fine. If you absolutely have to blabber to somebody about whatever this is, I suppose it does less damage with me than anyone else. It is his considered opinion that the average security assigned to safe temple jobs inside the Imperial Palace are noticeably less elite than those assigned to top-secret projects started by divine intervention. Which, in fact, makes sense. But, but. So I was the security in Faramayal's office when Carissa Sevar walked in on him and tried to hand him a new policy for the whole project. I probably shouldn't repeat the exact proposal, but it was six kinds of heretical, and to be clear, she wasn't phrasing it as a suggestion. You have my attention, he says reluctantly, and Mayol protests obviously how heretical this is, and Sevar stares him down coldly and says, Yes, I know it's heretical, but Asmodeus doesn't give a shit about what condition our souls end up in afterwards. Asmodeus wants us to win. So this is your new project directive. And how'd Mayol take that? Looks silently at Sever for a while, then says he's not taking responsibility for implementing that directive when it's actually hers. He offers to write her a note to Aspexia Rugaton, asking for an urgent conversation about whether Sevar's in charge of Project Lawful or he is. He's happy to serve under her if ordered, but if she doesn't come back with orders saying she's in charge and holding responsibility on the project, he expects Sever to shut up and obey him in the future. And Sevar? Just says understood takes the note from him, and heads off, presumably, to talk to the Grand High Priestess. Lovely. I concede that makes a great story, and now you've told it to me, and you never tell it to anyone again, and it doesn't get added to the rumor firestorm, clear? You're not going to die if you admit out loud how badass that was. Yes, fine, it was badass. Now, are we done? It was incredibly badass. Not a lot of people would be willing to just completely stare down Carissa Savar, like that, by paving stones. Hell needs more paving stones. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.